1: hello and welcome to the living history uk podcast a podcast for the discerning and knowledge hungry historians out there you can support our podcast and get much more from living history uk by joining our patreon from just one pound and by doing so you'll be a part of an ever-growing community and really help to make a difference as we strive to keep history alive but for now enjoy this podcast well, we did it. The second Living History UK festival has come and gone. And it's something we've been striving towards. God, for must be best part of nearly 10 months following the uh, the last Living History UK festival last year. But this one, um, in a condensed format, definitely knocked it out of the park. And there's so much to go through. I'm really, really excited to uh, get into this podcast. And I'm joined by uh, my good pals and fellow presenters on the channel, Pete Neil and Danny Rees. Good morrow. Hello, fine peeps of the internet. It's actually quite mad to think that we're sitting down and recording this, um, well, over a week since the festival, but it's taken us that long to just get back to sort of normality and also to start sifting through the through the poles of kit that still dominate our uh, living spaces in our
0: houses too. Yeah, I think if we did a follow-up of the event last week, uh, I wouldn't have been up to it. I think I only got my voice back on, I think it was Friday. I think it was. I had the full use of
2: my voice again. I think it's the great scourge of the reenactor, the, the, you know, the months and months of prepping. And then you got literally a night to pack everything away for work the next day on Monday, unless you're lucky enough to have booked Monday off work. But I think now I finally, after a week of trying to dry canvas and sort out boxes and condense down some more kits, I finally got on top of it. But now the gears are turning, ready for the next one.
1: And that is the worst part about any event. Is getting back, unpacking, repacking kit away into other boxes to put it away methodically, and then start focusing on the next event. And I mean, the next real event for us we'll talk about at the end of the podcast, um, is is this weekend coming. But God, there's so much stuff to go through from the festival. It was a little bit of a blur in places, but where do we begin? Turning up, I suppose.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the, the turning up, actually the the culmination of well, as a relative newcomer to the presenting inner sanctum. Um, it's kind of all your your two and others hard working, getting all the, the 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 bottles to line up as it were, and try and get everything sorted and all the all the background stuff of organising events. event. I know from attending events and organising events myself in the past. It's 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 always nice just to turn up to an event, but when you are organising your own, you've got to worry about all these little things and getting everything sorted. You know, have we got enough bog roll for the porter lose? Have we got power for X Y Z? Have we got access for vehicles? And I must say, you as know, as I say, as I said again, a relative newcomer to the to the presenting in a sanctum, I must doff my cap to you both for pulling off such a wonderful weekend.
1: The only thing I could liken it to, and, and cheers for Danny. It's nice, nice for people to appreciate how much effort we've we've put into it. But the only thing I could liken it to is to is almost like organising a wedding because you're almost planning it for 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 one day, and there's so many um sort of variables and things that can sort of change on a whim, and um all these different you know, sort of things that might just not happen. And are they going to arrive at the right time? And is is this group going to be here? And and so forth. It's um. Yeah, it it is really hard work. It's almost turned into a part-time job. I'm sure people agree with that. But it's one of those things where you just think, yeah, this this is worth hundred percent worth the effort over the past sort of ten months of organising it when everything just falls into place.
0: Yeah, cheers, Danny. The uh, it was um like the nine months like we we were planning this, it's sort of got, like in a blur because I'm not saying we are the most organised people in the world, but it's we started early. So because we started early and putting things in place very early on, it doesn't seem like, you know, a train rushing towards us. Like certain aspects it did in the build up, but I was only because there were only things that we could do at in the lead up to the event. So um I think sort of like stress wise Or like it sort of feeling like it's going on top of you. I think it was really in like the literally the week, literally weeks before it actually happening. So I I I think the only time I could like sort of like say like it was starting to get really annoying was like, you know, like if like groups weren't getting back to us and things like that. But they were like in a way small problems. Yeah, I can't I can't really describe it to be honest. <laughs> Steve might be able to describe
1: it but he's better with words. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'll certainly try my best. I think I think what Pete's alluding to is um like having like a few few challenges and just, you know, we've got to remember that we we do live in history UK as a collective as a hobby. It's not a part-time job. It does feel like it sometimes we don't get paid for it and it, everything we do is all in our spare time and having finding that time in an already packed schedule to then start saying right what do we want to do as a theme what do we want to do marketing wise um you know danny appeared on the radio for instance before all these various things and contacting groups organizing traders finances ticketing keeping on top of all that kind of stuff is really really hard uh hard work if we're being being honest but it's one of those things. It's an, it's almost a necessary evil. We do it because we want to do it. Uh, we enjoy doing it sometimes, um, but yeah, it's it's all those variables and just that kind of not necessarily a worry, but I suppose it is fair to say pressure in terms of you know there's people, hundreds of people bought tickets to come and see the festival, and I think the bottom line is we just wanted to make sure that everyone really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, it's just looking from me from see you're putting out a show, you're advertising the show and all that and you got public who pre-bought tickets and the big thing for me is you know, if if you as a group have said, we're doing this event, turn up. Don't last minute say, oh, well, we're not coming because me nan's budgie's got a dodgy leg. You know, it, it, it. If you as a group and I've done it in, you know, in the past with going to events, if you've committed to say you're doing it, do do it because it's just, as an organiser, I, I organised Hey On Why um, a couple of years ago groups pulling out left right and center and then you you worry because you have got the public going coming to an event that you've advertised with these groups and then they don't turn up it's quite <laughs> well, luckily though at uh, the festival we had a good turnout here, so fair does uh, I've never seen so many groups packed into such a small space
0: yeah i think like with us it was like it would show like so when groups were pulling out it was like oh no like especially if it was a group that we couldn't replace them with a group that does what they do as well. Cause obviously we're quite selective on who, um, attend the event. Um, so it was, yeah. So if, I think if you're going somewhere like on a larger scale, like, um, you know, like your war and pieces and places like that, where like one or two groups pull out, you, yeah, you, know, you sort of, they'll just turn around and go, oh, well, never mind. We might fill the gap. We might not, if not, we can just spread it out a bit. But I think because, because of, what we were trying to achieve and because of the space we had we had to keep it very mi- minimalistic with the groups that we had um so what i mean by that is it's like we could only have like one or two groups that portray that era just to save on the space and as soon as that one group disappears that other group might not be of a size to actually spread that across or we might not like i said earlier or a minute ago rather um a group of the same calibre as them to replace them. So yeah, that, that bit was, that was annoying when things like that were happening, but we
1: managed to pull it off. And we did mate. It's, um, you know, I have to remember the reason why we first, well, the two reasons we started doing the festival. One was to you know, sort of showcase the best living history groups that the country has to offer. And secondly, to engage with our, our audience and introduce them to the, quirky let's be completely honest and amazing world of living history and they're the two reasons why why we do it and we definitely achieved it this year um, it was a considerably bigger event than last year's festival uh we for instance took the timeline back from uh, from the 1770s of last year back to 1640s this year so we had that extra bolt-on of um you know pre-american sort of uh rev war all the way through to the English of. War. So it was awesome in that sense to do that. But again, it's it's definitely all about quality, not quantity. We had um I think it was twenty-five groups in total. Um maybe, maybe one or two either way, but around 25 groups that came. And we did the the footprint of the site was was incredibly small. But I feel like we really offered that that diversity and that real um, sort of, uh, you know, definitely money's worth in terms of the amount of different groups and impressions, quality impressions that people uh, got to see when they when they come and visited, and also for those people who took part. It's so cool to be at a multi period where you'll have, you know, an English Civil War pikeman uh, conversing with, uh, you know, one of the uh, one of the fetuses, Taylor Oldroyd's group, for instance, uh, you know, doing doing Malaya, the Malayan Emergency. So that is really really awesome to have that kind of quirkiness and. And their variation in impressions too.
2: Yeah, I see. I um, for my own background about multi-period events were not really a major thing when I first started reenacting. You just went to your hardcore railway events and like your victory shows. Um, it, they were hardcore World War II events, and then obviously the Cold War. You went to hardcore World War Two uh, Cold War events, such as places like Hack Green and uh, Christ Tramway Museum when they did their Cold War event. And it's, it's nice doing the multi because it does actually spark an interest into other eras, you know, and it's all your fault now. I'm looking at Civil War kit, which I thought I'd never get into because there's no machine guns involved. Um, but then it's, it's, you're opening your eyes into new eras and actually it's sparking interest. And hopefully, you know, maybe some of those earlier chaps may, may have been sparked of interest with our display over the weekend.
0: I knew we'd break you in the end, Danny. It was only a matter of time. I knew we were going to break you and get I, you doing English Civil
2: War stuff. I, ha- I have the backbone of a wet, soggy Kit Kat.
1: <laughs> yeah, Pete's it so right. It's only a matter of time before we, uh, before we break you, Danny. But it is, it is an amazing, um, amazing period—the the British Civil Wars, as I should, I should really call them. And um, I suppose now's the time, to sort of, drop. A very brief uh, sort of doff of the uh, sort of Montero, shall we say, or uh, in this case, uh, why bring Monworth cap uh, to a certain individual? Uh, one of our acquaintances Joseph Bristol, a.k.a. Baby Hands, who's actually formed a British Civil War living history group called Lord Brooks, which is going to be. Uh, completely groundbreaking in the realms of uh, sort of Civil War reenactment. Let's put it that way—a proper living history group. So, anyone who's wondering why Danny's all of a sudden getting involved in uh, this amazing period, that is the reason why. Jerry Bristol, okay, baby, Hans is the man to blame. He'll kill me for saying that.
2: Well, yeah, it's, it's again, it's, it's it's taking that to the next step. You know, it's, it's, as we know from living history events, you know, there's so many times we walk around and there's displays where it looks like a car boot sale on a poncho and there's, there's eventually people sat on deck chairs next to their vehicles, you know, with a fall on a Mason's basket on the back seat. But what I like, especially about the movement of Living History UK, is actually living history is proper living history, you know, looking at the small, not just the smallest details, but how they ate, how they slept, and actually getting that, something you'll never learn from a car boot-style living history display.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it it makes it more like, well, obviously it's living history, you know, it is, it makes it, Brings it all to life, then, because if you're actually doing things that they were meant to, what they were say meant to be, but things they were doing like cooking and making things and stuff like that, you're you're really bringing it to life. It's, you know, that's that's that is the
1: objective of being a living historian. It absolutely is, and you know, it, it. To be honest, being broadly speaking, it doesn't matter what time period you you do; it's all about the formula a mentality which you know continues to develop but like danny said it's about you know what were the guys what were they wearing on a day-to-day basis what were they eating uh what were they carrying what weapons were they using if applicable it's not always about military stuff you know for instance the civil war impressions were all kicking off with are essentially just the civilian uh, impression which will then slow slightly evolve into you know the military impression just like the guys of 1642 were but um we do digress from the festival somewhat, so I'm going to gonna rein it back in and, and I'm going to ask both of you guys, uh, not at the same time because that would be terrible for a podcast, but um, Danny, reel off some of your favourite um, memories from the festival and to boot, give us one of the, not negatives, because I don't think there was any negatives, but one of the challenges, let's say, that you experienced from, um, from this year's Living History UK Festival.
2: Well, I'll start off with a negative, because I always like finishing on a positive. The only really great negative was putting away a wet 12 by 12. For those of you who know about wet tentage, it's a great joy trying to pack wet canvas away and then trying to find somewhere, possibly in work, to dry it out over the next few days. But you know, as you say, the weather the weather's always the pain. You know, I know... A lot of people, especially those in the you know, motorcycling worlds and stuff like that, another the reenactor who actually study the weather. The Met Office becomes your great friend in the days leading up to an event, and you're looking at weather forecast. is it going to rain? Is it going to be windy? Do I need the storm lashings? And that, that's the only real damper for me. Was was a was, was slight bit of rain, but we all coped and still put on an absolutely fantastic display. And I think it just added to it and highlights. Uh, as always, our international correspondent John Shanahan. Always meeting up with John is always nice. I know he is uh, in 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 part of the colonies where he'll never get we re- event every weekend, and he does really look forward to coming over to the big island to embrace the hobby that he loves. So a big, you know, be meeting up with John is always a great highlight to me. But also, it's it's, it's meeting up with other the other TikTok celebrity we say, in the blue tick counters who. Who probably never even experienced what our hobby is before, you know? Now they've come away for a weekend, and they've seen that it's it is a strange hobby, but it's actually a fascinating one. I'm, you know, and all the guys who came, um, you know, for example, Ricky Vett, Dan Vet, Laurie Alice, Phil C, uh, One eyed Walt, um, uh, you know, they've they've come along and actually experienced. It. Now I never, ha- I actually had a negative. All I've had is positive. You know, for example, the Tommy Lounge Boys have come down there. They're really fascinated with, you know, with the hobby and how how you know, how it can actually be beneficial to not just living historians and the general public, but to the veteran community. So those are that you know that summarises my positives from the weekend. How about you, Pete? Well, like you, I'm going to start with
0: a negative and then go with a positive. Um, I've, for me, it was uh, being low staffed for us on the uh, ticket booths. Uh, we had quite a few people saying that are going to come um only two of them turned up basically um and that took a lot oh i say took a lot it it put a lot of pressure then onto us um even to the extent where we even had to start getting some of the other (laughs) living historians to help us out so dom our former presenter he jumped onto the ticket stand on the saturday um and uh and even uh Taylor Oroid's lads as well on the Thursday, uh, when all the groups were starting to arrive. Uh Taylor, I can't remember who it was now. I just grabbed them both. I gave them both a high vis and said, do some carpa, park, <laughs> get usher in the vehicles. <laughs> so they, they stood on for a uh, a good hour. Uh and Trev from the rifle brigade as well, he jumped on as well. Um, you know, so you know it that was that was a struggle. Um, hopefully next year we'll be able to sort that staffing issue so like the likes of us three can actually get around and engage with the public so we just couldn't do that this year. Um, unfortunately, although we were able to speak to a couple of people um we weren't at our full um we weren't at our full potential. I'd say because we because we we're constantly running. Like each day to me, really was just a blur. Like the day would start and and then everything like grounded itself for me. Soon, like the gates closed and that was it. Because um, <laughs> just running around everywhere. Uh, so yeah, that that's my that's that's my that was my negative from the uh, from the uh, from the event, which went into a little bit of a positive. Uh, where I said the other living historians sort of pulled in and helped us out a bit. Positive. Uh, The positive for me was seeing the crowd. Um, So obviously the big apprehension of of organizing an event like this was how are we actually going to get people through the gate? You know, we could do all the advertising we want and, you know, three people might (laughs) turn up. But yeah, um, those moments where I sort of like, out of like a five minutes to myself or got to a sit down and just sort of have a quick nose around and and then seeing the amount of people that were there um was absolutely amazing and and thank you to those people who came to visit us and um and I hope you enjoyed your day um as much as we enjoyed our weekend. Stephen, what were your highlights and dislike
1: cheers Pete well I'll also start on um a slight a slight uh, challenge let's say I don't like using the term negative because we always over adapt and uh, adapt and overcome don't we with these challenges that we uh that come and get up against us to, to test us and yes the the sort of low number of volunteers uh, was definitely an issue for us uh, as Pete's alluded to but coupled with that was was a tiredness I was, I was really fatigued by the end of the weekend um how I drove home without falling asleep, I really don't know. I was I was very tired, um, but that that was it. That was the only sort of challenge, let's say. But the positives massively outweigh the negatives, and just just I've had to write these down because there's just so many that I want to try and get into this. So, I, I think one of the funniest <laughs> positives was the meat meal burger. From Bad Boys Burgers, which was absolutely sensational, uh, one of the, one of the best burgers I've had for a long time. Um, obviously, we do uh, have a close affiliation with Beefy Boys, who are, in my opinion, the premier <laughs> the premier burger chain in the UK. Um,
2: Is there any pastrami but- in there?
1: <laughs> oh, don't start Pete off on Pestrami there, Danny. It's a very uh, dangerous thing to do. Um, anyone who doesn't know um, what that joke's about is, uh, yes, uh, we went to Beefy Boys on uh, Monday just gone after a sealed knock gig, which we'll talk about in a bit. And uh, they didn't have any pastrami, and I know Peter was not very happy. Isn't that right, Pete? Peter was not happy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Peter was
1: very disappointed.
2: <laughs> he was off the veggie burger. Burger. <laughs> The beanie boy. The leafy boy. <laughs> well, the, a,
0: a vegetarian option will never touch my lips, I'm afraid.
1: <laughs> well, his reviews yet to surface on TripAdvisor, but I'll, I'll joke it apart, it won't. Um anyway, that's the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um the positives are amazing. So one of one of the standout things for me, which was really kind of hammers home um what we what why we do what we do, was seeing Um, uh, well two groups that have sprung up over the past 12 months so one is the fetuses as we call them which is um, uh, Taylor Oldroyd's group uh, portraying British infantry in Malaya fantastic young group look the part right attitude to living history they're going to go places those guys are definitely but also seeing a group called uh, Black Button um, which is um, fantastic World War 2 group who've sprung up and they so Trev, um, who sort of heads up the group, came to the Living History Festival last year uh, as a punter and kind of on the back of that and a few conversations, they they set the group up and they've evolved it to a point now where, again, you know, they don't have massive numbers of guys, I'm not talking 20, 25 blokes, but it's quality and the right mindset uh, really plays a huge part. And it was really nice to see them actually displaying this year's festival, which was really, really awesome. John Shanahan, as Danny said, what a, what an absolute legend! It's always great to see John, and you know he got there on the Friday, mucked in with the car parking all weekend, not just on the Friday as well. And it's just one of life's um, one of life's legends. There's no other way of saying. It. I mean, we are surrounded by legends, you know, people like Joe Bristol and Chuckles, Chris Bridgman to name just a few from the Inner Sanctum. But you know, people like John uh, making efforts to come all the way from from Ireland was amazing. We had international visitors from the Netherlands too. Um, but it was also really, really cool to see that the event isn't stagnating like many of these big events do. Uh, I'm not saying that we're a big event yet, but you'll go to some of these multi-periods and it's just the same, uh, you know, they just wheel it out once a year and it's the same display and it's just like, so boring sometimes. But we're constantly evolving what we do. So we mentioned about the timeline last year being, you know, sort of 1770s to 2012. Seeing it this year going back to 1645 and being able to tell that story of the British soldier. Um, you know, from 1645 through to 2012 was really cool. Yes, there was a few omiss- omissions, no Boer war for instance, no Victorian kind of era, but nonetheless, I think we did a really, really good um, sort of showing on that. So that was really, really awesome. And the influencers who came to see us that Danny's mentioned um, from from TikTok and other social media platforms, that was so good to see And the reviews and post-event videos that have been going up were really, really cool to see. So hopefully... We'll have even more people come and support this wacky hobby that we do uh, in 2024. But we have had some questions submitted. So I'm going to pose the first question to Mr. Peter Neal. And this one has been submitted by uh, Dave, who's one of our patrons. So if anyone's wondering what, what what our patrons are, you can join our Patreon; it's our members club. The link is in the description of the podcast. Um, and Dave has asked, and this one's for you, Pete. How are you going to improve the next festival?
0: I think uh, I think what we'll do I don't know because he's like it's it's a hard one because I don't want to answer it because we haven't started the planning for the next one yet. As if we are doing the next one, I ah, see. Yeah. Got you hooked in now. <laughs> um, what can we do to improve it? Well, there's there's minor things, but it's like the minor things in my eyes that the public don't need to know. That's just more of an organisation point of view. Um, I think for the next one um if we're able to do it maybe get a few more groups in I think um and get a working PA system yeah no, that, that, that's what that's what I, I think that's what that's what I think will make it better um yeah cuz I think what we did was good um I think the only way to improve it now would be like I said is the is the little things from our point of view of actual organizing behind the scenes Um, and then I said, yeah, and getting a, a few more top quality groups in there.
2: If I get interject on that on that question as well, what I'd like to see next year is possibly a few more vehicle owners turning up. So not just because we've got a million Jeeps, but maybe some you know, different vehicles from different from the obviously the earlier areas. We're going to struggle uh, horse and cart, but yeah, you know, we had a civilian tractor there this year, which was nice to see on the on the home front displays. But possibly a few you know, other military staff cars and other Bedford lorries. Even that'd be nice to see. Just add another another layer of interest.
1: Absolutely, and it'd be nice to see things evolving. I mean, just just uh, thinking about the home front, it was great to have the the women at war display along this year. You know, we we hear it a lot, if we're completely honest, that you know the women are not represented in uh, sort of history and living history, and that's completely true, and it's fair to say. But there's very very few, um, you know, living history is a very small community, and I think for every ten blokes you see doing, um, you know, World War Two, let's say. You'll only ever really find one lady doing World War II living history. It's really hard to narrow it down and to get good quality as well. So again, it's all about uh, sort of you know quality over over quantity. But yeah, I mean, how would you improve the next one? I don't, I don't think there's masses we could do. To be honest, I mean, Pete's definitely right in saying that it's just things behind the scenes, minor things, especially with the new site at Moira Furnace. We know what necessarily does work and what necessarily might not work. Uh, based on the most recent events. So I think it's going to be minor things we improve. I don't think, well, it's the same where I come from, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. It's simple as that, you know. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, it's going to be very, very minor tweaks, um, essentially. But another question we've had, and Danny, I'm going to put this one over to you, mate. Uh, the question we've had is actually from our international correspondent, uh, Mr. Jean Shanahan. That's very French, wasn't it, Jean? I don't know why I did that. Anyway, the question is, where do you see the festival going in the future, and would you include other countries, for instance, Americans or Germans?
2: Oh, very good one. Um, I I think that the the unique selling point of the festival is the British soldier, and I know uh, people hearing that, they'll be quite disappointed because they represent 101st Airborne on on D-Day, but it's quite nice in a way having the festival that's purely... Representing the British, the overlooked, shall we say, the British soldier through the eras, you know, and having that key selling point is actually, you know, reinforcing our own national history for others. You know, you, if you want to see other nations and other uh, other other things that are unrelated to the British soldier, there are plenty of other shows. But I think our unique USP, as it were, is, is that fact. Um, working ahead in the future, I think we hopefully we build a, a good working relationship with our current site. Uh, and basically building on the the quality and the experience that the the punter will have when they come through the gate
0: yeah i agree I, when we when we started the event um last year it you know there's always those brainstorming sessions you know what are we actually going to make this into um you know we, One thing we have mentioned is, you know, having themes. So at some stage, it may be, you know, we won't necessarily completely turn away from the history of British soldiers. But what we might do is, like, um, just putting this one out there, if we said, I don't know, uh, longbow to machine gun or something like that, where, you know, we could do an evolution of, of that, and then that could potentially bring in other nationality groups uh, such as like, you know, American civil war or Vietnam, something like that. But like, like Danny said, I think we've, we've got something very unique here where we're focusing purely on the British service personnel. And, you know, when you look at, you know, you just got to look, you just got to look at what's on TV, haven't you? You know, what are the major war films? Well, there's not many British major war films out there. Well, that we, you know, not not no, including like the sixties and seventies where there was like an abundance of them. But I'm talking about in the last sort of fifteen twenty years, where's there been actually a proper decent war film about British service personnel? There ain't that many about. Um, and I think that's why we need to, for as long as possible, do what we're doing, where we're continuing the story and not letting it get forgotten.
1: Yeah. Preach sister, preach. <laughs> it's exactly yeah, music to my ears because I am, I think, I think we're all cut from the same cloth uh, in a sense that we've been to a lot of events of living history world. And you always see the numbers of, let's say American reenactors of World War 2 don't want to be divisive and German reenactors. And then you look at the number of British and you think, why is that so low? You know? Why is, why is, you know, look at all these Hollywood films and you pretty much never see the British, you know, depicted. Certainly not depicted that well. Uh, British Too Far, of course, is an exception. My favourite film. But yeah, it's it's one of them. We have got something very unique. It doesn't need to be, you know, the next War and Peace show. I'm sure there's space for that in the future. But it's it's having something that's really unique, that's special, and that, you know, people can really connect with. is just... Yeah, if it ain't broken, don't fix it, really. So the, the future is going to be very interesting. We definitely need to sit down and get uh, the next one planned if it's yeah. going to happen.
0: Well, I think nationality-wise, you got, at this moment in time, like the way we're thinking, like, uh, like we have, as uh, I'd like us if we can. Obviously, again, the groups are very far and few between, but to have more um, Commonwealth representation as well, um, uh, in the festival, uh, we yeah you know, we are that is something we are trying to do is try and get other. Oh, uh, like we 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 did it loosely last year and this year. Like we had the likes of Azagai Rhodesia who were doing uh, the Royal uh, the Royal Rhodesian Regiment in the uh, Malazaland Emergency. I'll probably pronounce that wrong, <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's something I would like us to focus on, like within the festival it's the history of the british soldier but obviously we have a commonwealth as well and if there is more groups out there that do it to a high standard please get in touch with us because uh we would be interested in having you along
2: so yeah i think you know, those uh, those comments are all very valid you know my my personal uh interest in the commonwealth uh forces was you know obviously the korean war um my own interest of the first battalion the king shropshire's light infantry out there but it'd be nice to see a few more commonwealth groups to uh come along and support multi-period or multi-conflict. Uh, com- uh, but I do believe the other day that uh, you graced my part of the world and I wasn't allowed to come along because I was stuck in this thing called work. But um, no, but uh, I do believe you were—you had come down to a muddy field in Monmouthshire. We did, didn't we, Stephen?
1: We did, and I even saw a World War II pillbox as well. <gasps> I weren't paying attention. <laughs> we did so. Yes, we went to uh, to Monmouth Showground, and we went to see the Sealed Knot in action. So, anyone who doesn't know what the Sealed Knot is, they are uh, rep- well purportedly the um, the biggest uh, reenactment association in Europe and possibly the world. Uh, I'm not sure how that is numbers wise at the moment, but they reenact and depict the life and times of um, of this English Civil War essentially, and they had a major muster at Monmouth Showground, uh, depicting the Siege of Monmouth. So I thought, ah, we'll go and have a little look at that. So we rallied the troops, as you say, and uh, Pete joined us along with um, my wife, and then also um, we had Joe and his partner come down as well, Al. And uh, yeah, we went and had a little snoop around there. And Pete, was it the first Sealed Knot gig that you've been
0: to? It's the first one that I've seen on that scale. Um, I've seen the Sealed Knot at other events, but like it's been like, Twenty of them, but on but for one of their actual musters, that was the first one I've ever seen.
2: What's it like? Is it? Is it you know, obviously? I've the closest I've ever come to English of war before is obviously yourselves. But also, I had a, a chap up the street from me when I was a kid who used to go away to these major musters. But I was it's in and burnt in memory into my into my brain. Remember him loading up on a Friday afternoon and strapping all the pikes to the top of a Volvo estate. Um, it looks quite interesting, but what? What? So, what are these? What are these? Uh, these seal knot major musters like compared to say, like a World War Two or a military vehicle rally?
1: I think the biggest differences are so numbers are so. The English Civil War Society and the sealed Knot. Two different groups, but they were both put massive numbers out on the field. So I think the numbers we were dealing with at Monmouth are somewhere around the 600 mark, I would say being realistic, uh, that were put on the field. So yeah, I'd got, agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't topping a 1,000 from experience years gone by. I can bore you with that another day. But it was around, around 600 on the field, which is a massive number, uh, to be honest. It really, really is. So it outstrips most sort of other reenactment events. Uh, and I say reenactment because, although there was a small living history encampment, which I'm sure Pete will talk about shortly, uh, what's massively different to most reenactment events acro- across the country for other periods is that the balance between plastic camping and living history is turned on its head. So whereas most people will authentically camp for like World War II and etc., um, it's the other way for English Civil War. So eighty percent, ninety percent of them will be in like modern tents caravans camper homes and so forth but you do have very small contingent that do the living history element
2: so so it's a bit like in a way like how i see like when i go when i go take my, one of my trucks to a uh, military vehicle trust or a military a military vehicle uh, convention it's more like the reason why i got kind of bored is like, more like parking in asda and then you got your modern deck chairs and your caravans behind rather than celebrating what vehicle or area you're representing
0: yeah, I suppose it is. Like when I turned up, I, I I was sort of like doubting if I'd come to the right place. To be honest, because <laughs> so I was like, I got out the car because um, Joe and Elle, uh we both we all literally turned up within seconds of each other. Um, I got out the car and I, I said to Joe, I was like, "We we come to the right place? Cause this looks like a bloody caravan site, you know." It's <laughs> like so, um, so, like the site they had was is a colossal site. Um, but then like sixty five percent of it was all taken up by plastic tents and caravans. <laughs> it was, and I was like, "I'm like, what? What is what? This it, it, is more like a festival than a living history event, you know? what I mean, not and not the living history UK festival because that is a festival of history. But yeah, it was like, yeah, I was like, it's yeah, I I was a bit sort of taken aback
1: by it." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of had the feeling that, you know, I'd have that kind of um, feeling for, for yourself, but also for Joe not being torn before. I, I I was involved with the Sealed Knot in like 2008, 2009, 10, those kind of seasons. And I knew um, what to expect in that sense. Now, you know, what we've just said for anyone who's thinking, oh, it's a little bit rude, you know, it's a bit unfair to say that. You know, it's up to people how they pursue this hobby, it's a case of, you know, if you guys want to go away and, you know, live in a camper, camper van for a weekend, then just come out and do the battle. If that makes you happy, then that's good. But, you know, approaching it from our background of living history, like exclusively for, you know, myself, Pete and Joe who went to the event, it is it is markedly different to what we're used to. So it was a little bit of a shock to the system, probably the easiest way of saying it. Uh, seeing, you know, the majority of people um, plastic camping and then the minority um, sort of camping authentically, but having been part of the seal knot in years gone by and going to this event on Monday, I was massively, massively chuffed to see the living history encampment has actually grown at least threefold compared to what it used to be like, um, which is really, really good. And there's some great trades on display, which I'd I'd never seen before. So we had a guy doing like um, a sort of, uh, like a ferret display, which was quite cool. Um, And then we had a, some guys who were making defenses, so they were making um, gabions and Shevard de Fries because it was all a siege event, and that was really cool seeing that like history in action proper, living history guys working together. Yeah, uh, that as was a team. good. That
0: was because they because they were actually like doing a full demonstration on how to make wattle and all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was that. Oh, I really liked that. That was
1: that was some good living history there. Yeah, and it, and it's those sort of trades that you just don't see very often, and. That was massively, like, real, real big positive for me, seeing that, that the, you know, the hobby um, is sort of growing and it's it's not revolving. It revolves for some people, you know, the sort of old guard, let's say, but for, you know, these new people who are coming in or have got to this point where they think, actually, there's more to, more to this. It's not just reenacting. There is living history and they're delving into it. It's so good to see. And the living history encampment, I would say, was rammed. They were clearing people out of the living history encampment because the battle was about to start. And I'd say in years gone by that people were more interested in the battle than they were in living history, but that had been tipped completely on its head, which was really, really great to see.
0: Yeah, it was. It was almost getting to the point where it was almost shoulder to shoulder in the um, living history encampment. Um, So you had um, the woman cooking as well. That was really good. She was making uh, period food. Uh, which was really good. She was really engaging with the public as well, which was great to see. Um, now, the but the one person that really took my breath away was the artist. Um, his artwork, well, it's he it, he it, 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 he had a um, that famous painting of uh, King Charles, that three side view of King Charles, but he had actually copied that from a print of the original and like to an untrained eye like mine, I would have easily have said that was the original um and he'd got all these other paintings that he'd done of uh, like private commissions of uh people from the sealed knot um that he'd been doing and the the detail and oh it was uh, it was it was fascinating absolutely fascinating and this bloke he and like the way the bloke spoke as well it's like he must have studied for ages because he actually spoke in the style of the 17th century. And I've never seen that anyone really outside of say like a, an acting role, so to speak, like you go to like one of these castles or something like that, where you'll get like, you have the actors to there sort of kind of talking in that way. But this bloke, he literally, as soon as he opened his mouth, he was talking like a man from the 17th century, and it absolutely blew my mind. And yeah, oh, oh he, he fascinated me. I, I just had this, I just literally, I found it hard to walk away
1: from him when I was just watching him talk to people. It was brilliant. He was, a, he was a really interesting guy. He really knew what he was on about using all the authentic pigments of his paints, and God, what a what a skill he had! I mean, I can barely draw a stick man, so I, I really took my hat off to him. It was superb. Um, we'd seen him before at the event, but again, one of it was he wasn't just for anyone who's trying to sort of picture what it was like. He wasn't just an artist in you know modern day clothing. He was a seventeenth century artist. He was um, you know sort of Hans Holbein, essentially. Um, his this talent that guy had was amazing. That was such a real quirk to see. It really, really was. But the the sealed knot, the English Civil War as an era, I always describe it as the gateway drug to reenacting and to living history. It's um, where most people sort of learn their trade, and apply their trade before moving on to you know sort of bigger and better things in some cases. But we find ourselves going back to it, um, going back to it sort of myself fifteen years after first getting involved with it. It's an amazing era, and I think having a sprinkle of like real living history added to it just shows you. How good it really, really can be, but Danny, I, I know you weren't there, mate, and you're waiting in the wings, and um, I bet you're thinking, "What's this all about?" But I think we're going to have to get you along to a sealed knot gig soon. What say you?
2: Well, yeah, I think it's just a totally, a, a totally a new era, and you know, coming from the World War II background and the steam railways, it's actually quite fascinating to see how the early era done uh, is done really in, in living history. You know, yeah, it's always fascinating to see because I, I, I had a
0: culture shot when I went to do the Ponyonics because throughout my entire living history career, all I'd done was I'd either done Vietnam or I'd done world war two. So going back to like doing the ponionic period and seeing how things are done there, it's like, it, it, obviously you can, you can grab things from like your own experience going like, Oh yeah, we kind of do it like that or do it like this. Yeah. It, it it's, 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 um, it is, it is different. And, I, and I also I find it really educational as well. Um, in the sense of you're seeing it how other people are doing it. So where you've come from that scenario of like World War II Vietnam is like, coming from those worlds, going into that world, you'll kind of take, for me, I'll I, I take away the best of both worlds. So really, you you know, it, it's, it's enhancing that education on how things are being done. Um, so, yeah, I think you'll get a lot from it, Danny, I think. Hell of a lot.
2: Yeah, I've, I've 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 nearly finished reading Peachy's book, and it is it's not, it's a totally different era for me. Of course, you know, going from the days of World War One, World War II, and doing a, a more recent conflicts, you know, the 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 art of looking at period photographs and reading accounts, you know, you're now looking at wood cuttings, and is that a Type One coat? Are they wearing Type Two coats? Are oh, they they wore purple? But what type of purple? <laughs> it got shade of purple. It is it, it, it's, it's quite fascinating, and especially for a research nerd like me. It's, you know, it's 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 opening up a whole new uh, sphere of influence.
1: And it really is. It's such a goldmine of information. Like Daily, I'll find out something new. And where I uh, work at Middleton Hall, I found out today through a bit of research that the parliamentarian commander, Sir John Gow, was actually married into the family who resided at Middleton. And uh, Sir John Gow had a really colourful uh, history. I can't remember it all off the bat, but he was uh, present at many battles, including not like Siege of Lichfield, Hopton Heath, and other local ones. But he um, he was a really interesting character. He actually went from the Parliamentarian side to the Royalist side in the end, and he was imprisoned by the Parliamentarians during the Interregnum. So it's really interesting. Uh, definitely worth a, a Wikipedia nose, but. But yeah, really interesting about um, Sir John Gow and there's, there's so many other colourful characters, and we have to remember that all the actions of the Civil War, well, nearly all of them for that matter, um, were fought, you know, in uh, in Britain, which is absolutely awesome because it's on your doorstep, and we love history on our doorstep, especially if the World War II made of concrete. Uh, but yeah, going back to the uh, event at Monmouth, it was it was awesome to see the cavalry. So there was Wallace Horse and then Hazelriggs uh, Lobsters uh, as well, and their like Hazelriggs um, sort of armor uh, was so so cool to see. Like the proper full cuirass uh, w- was brilliant, and they did a drill display uh, in the morning where they go along with like the, demonstrating the Warhammer, uh, the the pistols and their um, and their swords as well, like chopping the <laughs> chopping lettuces up. I don't think the Vegans would be too happy about that, but uh, yeah, it was. Um, that was really cool to see, but the, the main spectacle of the day, as ever, with these things was was the battle.
0: And I have to say, I think that's the longest arena battle I've ever seen in my life. I think didn't we time it about an hour and a half? Was it something like that? It went on for.
1: Oh, yeah. I th- I think it was edging t- it was edging two hours, mate. Yeah.
0: yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, so so it got to the point I was like, I stood there going, I feel like I've been stood here a very long time. Um and yeah, I was like, then yeah, then we realised it was like an hour and a half or so. I'm like, wow, that that was that was, that was a very long arena battle. Um I, I was amazed, but I cause the the number of people on the field, um, it's very rare uh I think in any real scenario um reenactment or living history, um, if there's any form of battle like that to actually get that sort of number of people on the field, even from like our Depone Night days. I think the only time we could say we saw loads of people on the field was when we do Waterloo, uh, or when we did Waterloo, rather. Um, it seemed, you know, it was quite slow pace. It just seemed to lull, though, you know, it is like, yeah, I can't really describe it because it was like, first it was it was going everything was moving like right okay brilliant everything's moving then suddenly everything sort of stopped and then it started all over again um which obviously that that would happen in battles of that time but it just seemed to sort of drag out i think i think 45 minutes 45 minutes to an hour i think would have been plenty but Wow, well, uh, yeah, I, I just feel sorry for the likes of the pikemen because uh, that was literally soon as they uh, the two armies properly collided on the field, those pipe blocks are basically at it from start to finish, and I'm like, there's gotta be a bloke, they gotta be, they gotta be falling at some point because you know they got they got the breastplates on the helmets and that, and literally they, they 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 it's effectively an English Civil War rugby scrum for a solid hour, so. If I'm like how are those blokes still at it I have no idea but yeah proper hats off to them old boys I can tell you
1: yeah it was it, it did go on for a long time the battle did admittedly I know that I know from from experience if you're involved in it it goes by really really quick but it was it was a long try out of uh, um but yeah the guys and girls were knackered when they were coming off the field I, I was shooting some some film and some photos and you can just see that sort of tiredness coming through and that's something you can never you can never act that it's always genuine um but you know it was a great display and if you if you guys listening at home or wherever you are in the in the uh, in the world at this moment in time when you're listening if you're ever thinking i want to go and do something a little bit different i want to go and have a day out with the family then you won't go far wrong and to go and watch some someone like the sealed knot or the english civil war society other groups are available it's a great day out, it's really enjoyable, and it's something different, and you'll learn something from it. And um, yeah, it was £5 an adult to get in, or 15 quid for a family, so you really can't grumble at that one bit. Yeah, it was, def- it was definitely a good use of a bank holiday Monday.
0: <laughs> yes, and we got to go to Beefy Boys after as well. We did, and we're going again this Sunday.
2: Beefy Boys, did you say? Beefy Boys on the 7th of May as part of the coronation celebrations for the King Charles uh, coronation on Saturday but it's on Sunday night uh, in in Hereford at the Shack they are having a coronation blitz party so you have all your your 40s favourites, no line dancers um, and they're going to have all sorts and also their famous burgers, hopefully with pastrami, especially for Pete. Um, but we shall see. But it's £20 a ticket. You can buy it online on their website. But it's going to be an evening of all round entertainment. But most of all, you get to meet the Living History K crew containing myself, Pete, Steve, Chuckles. I don't think Joe's coming down, but it'd be good to see some more of the crew. But also some friends of ours from the local area who also have some SAS Jeeps. So we have a fine array of SES jeeps in support of the Beefy Boys. So if you want a good night out on, on part of the Coronation Bank Holiday Weekend, come down to Beefy Boys. But firstly, thank you, Pete and Steve, for another fantastic episode. I hope all of our listeners have enjoyed listening to our wanton ramblings, going from everything from pillboxes to the Civil War and back to Beefy Boys again. But thank you all, and most of all, keep history alive.
1: If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, then why not send us a PayPal donation? All donations help us pay to host the podcast and for us to create new content for your enjoyment. Furthermore, if you would like to submit a question or even a subject matter for the podcast, join Patreon and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The links are in our bio. Until next time, keep history alive.